This is the Decision Point with Anand and Dury. Anand, back by popular demand, two weeks in a row at the end of the regular season. We don't need to be doing this, okay? No. This is the holiday season. We don't need to be doing a podcast every week. This isn't contract season, but the people loved the last show. They're like, where is this Decision Point, Ben? So let's let's bring it back. And it was perfect because we were stake through the center of the earth on the Detroit Lions. I know Twitter was also very bullish on the Lions. We were more bullish. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that that's a thing that happened. And, and they just won a convincing victory against the Vikings. And some of these other teams lost, right? And yeah. Including the Buccaneers, right? So these other teams that were you know, in contention – uh, for potential wild cards or uh, you know the Giants, no bueno, right? Yeah. So all these teams falling by the wayside, and then the Lions just literally roaring up. It's been special to watch. It's been so cool. So I want to jump right in and talk about the Lions. This is a playoff team. 100% it's a playoff team. And my question for you is, are they top what in the NFC? I think they're right around that cutoff line for them and the Jaguars are the two teams. I think right now that caught fire at the right time, they're coming together, younger teams. You don't want to see either of them right now. Like, but, but look at, no, look at the NFC though. You have the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles in a tier by themselves. I agree. Those are the two clear Super Bowl favorites. Mm-hmm. And they should be just look at the betting odds on FanDuel Caesars. They're the clear favorite. And by the way, you can always go to playerprofiler.com forward slash offers and you can get signed up on Caesars, get signed up on PointsBet, on FanDuel. We have offers for all of those services, especially if you're in Maryland where betting just opened up or some of these actually have pre-launch offers like BetMGM has a pre-launch offer. Caesars has a pre-launch offer in the state of Ohio. So go to playerprofiler.com forward slash offers and you can see what offers are available to get those apps installed now and start to check the lines and start to bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win the NFC Championship. And Eagles, Cowboys seem to be on a collision course. My hope is that how the playoff bracket shakes out that they can meet in the NFC Championship game. It'd be a real shame if they don't. Right. I hate when we were talking about that last time. We hate when the two best teams in a conference have to play before the conference title game. Now, the San Francisco 49ers have not yet acquired Matt Ryan as we expected they would. It was expected they would acquire Matt Ryan. It was the no-brainer move, and they didn't do it yet. No. Given that they don't have any kind of certainty at the quarterback position, and that's the most important position, even though this team just finished blowing out the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers have Tom Brady, the San Francisco 49ers had Brock Purdy and other guys, and yet still didn't matter. If they don't upgrade the quarterback position and the Lions and 49ers face off in the playoffs, who wins? I think it's San Fran at the moment, but barely. Like I don't think that game is going to be as non-competitive as the records would suggest they are. The Lions over their last what is it six games? I think they're five and one. Yeah, like, like you do not want to see the Lions right now. And it's not just like look, like there were elements of this is a really good team early in the year, but. 
but they're just too young. They haven't figured out how to how to win yet. They're figuring out how to win. And like it's like we we described earlier, right? Bringing in a Jamison Williams at this time of the year dynamically changes how people have to play you. Like the the, the Amon Ross St. Brown show is now the Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams show. And DJ Chark show. And DJ Chark. Like you now this is truly a pick your poison instead of, hey, we have a real one, right? Now they have a 1A and a 1B and a really good two in Shark. Like this is – you if you're going to beat the Lions, you're, you're probably going to have to get to 30. Like, and that's – look, the, their defense hasn't been fantastic, but nobody's been able to score with them. And so it hasn't really mattered. So who caught more passes last week? And then this is not a – any kind of mockery of injuries or anything like that. I just want cold, hard facts from Ananduri. Just let us know the stats. More catches, not more pancake blocks, not more important, just more receptions in week 14. Kyle Pitts or Penny Sewell? Penny Sewell. Okay. <laughs> Penny Sewell salting the game away. That was awesome. With a catch coming out of the backfield as an H-back. They're putting Sewell at H-back. You're telling me you have a 350-pound athlete that can play multiple positions, you know, not just guard, tackle. He yeah. can play H-back? Yeah. This is what you're telling me. And I was shocked and appalled. You were there. Shocked and appalled that a talent like Penny Sewell fell outside the top five. Yeah. In the NFL draft, I didn't think it made any sense. I said I would rather have Sewell than Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, down the list, go down the board. I'll take Sewell. And then it was a great move, not pushing the button on quarterback early before the team had a foundation built around it, right? The quarterback is the antenna that you put and you place on top of the tower. And that the Lions were not just rushing into the breach, you know, desperately searching for a quarterback like Chris Ballard. Right, Chris Ballard, yeah. the polar opposite general manager to Brad Holmes, where it's like just a- a- absolutely just he's in the barnyard, he's in the chicken coop, and his head has been removed from his body, just running around bumping into chicken wire. Right? <laughs> you see how I did that? See how I painted a picture without actually going to the cliche? You see how I did that? That's that's being trained for years, years on and trained with this cliche alert sounder that we have. And I'm not going to play it. I'm not playing the goddamn sounder because I could have. <laughs> I could have gone with the cliche. I did not. And it was way better. How I explained it, what Chris Ballard has been doing the last few years, punting picks, giving up first rounders, just shedding talent because of this desperate desire to upgrade the quarterback position. And that's not how you do it. You don't do it with retreads. You do it primarily through the NFL draft. And if you're going to go and trade for or sign a quarterback in free agency, it should be a young quarterback with, say, top 10 draft capital with some potential that was shown in flashes and then, for whatever reason, circumstances betrayed them. Or it's been shown but not fully appreciated by his former team. So in recent memory, you go back to Ryan Tannehill, yeah, The Dolphins were an incompetent franchise, didn't know what they had in Ryan Tannehill. The Titans saw that with Jared Goff. The Rams just felt like they were over him. 
and yet this is the first overall pick. He's still in his mid-20s. The quarterback you're trading them is damaged goods. He, you know, has a you know bad vertebrae in his back. Yeah, the the laundry list of injuries for Stafford is a mile and a half long. I can't believe he lasted as long as he did. Right? Bad elbow, shoulder, collarbone, just down the list, right? Knee injuries, like the whole thing, right? The guy is the guy is Superman. I have no idea how the hell he played through all that in, De- in Detroit, by the way. Like he's been glued back together many times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's it's Matthew Stafford and all the King's horses and all the King's men, right? Yeah. Again. Again. Yeah. You see what I did there? Didn't say Humpty Dumpty. Didn't say it. Didn't say because that would be a show title, right? Matthew Stafford, Humpty Dumpty. I did not do that. I didn't say the name Humpty Dumpty. I would never compare Matthew Stafford to Humpty Dumpty. Matthew Stafford is Humpty Dumpty is not a sentence I would ever utter. I'm way more creative than that. So you go back. Penny Sewell is a top three talent a top three building block asset in any draft at any time. So if you go back through time, my position is when a Penny Sewell comes available, it doesn't matter what your needs are. It doesn't matter who's drafting. He's a top three pick no matter what. And if one of those three teams, or in the case two years ago, all of those three teams pass on Penny Sewell, shame on them. And now... You're seeing you're seeing the difference. You're seeing where Atlanta is, right? Imagine Atlanta with their run first scheme, right? With Penny Sewell at left tackle. With that guy? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Look, this is one of the stranger draft classes 2021 was that somehow worked out for a lot of teams. But if you had a top 14 pick and you missed, shame on you. Because run through them. Yeah, well, the way to miss that, the way to miss, so the best way to miss is to draft any player, doesn't matter who it is, I don't care what the scouting report says, I don't care if the guy got tens across the board from every fucking scout in the entire franchise, gave him tens across the board, like we have him graded as a 10 out of 10, and we have Sewell as a 9.9, we have this guy as a 10 out of 10, we're taking him, and then I give you this information, I give you, well... That would be the highest a player at that position has ever been selected. Yep. Based on that alone, you would never do it. You don't want to be that franchise that's drafting a particular position higher than it's ever been selected. So it was the Kyle Pitts pick. He could be great. I would not be at all surprised. In fact, I, I expect it. I expect him to take that mantle from Travis Kelsey as a top three tight end annually yeah i expect yeah. it would not be surprised at all but that doesn't make it a good draft pick it still no. was, was a, a completely horrific draft pick just based on that historical fact alone like look so penny sewell fell to seven which <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody saw coming <laughs> like like nobody nobody saw that coming. at the time this isn't hindsight at the time we were shocked that the lions got him they must have been like, what? How did this? Yes. Just, yeah. You, how do you just just say yes? Just say yes. Just just find a way to say yes. Because look, like this is your top 14 in that draft class. If you remove Kyle Pitts and the two quarterbacks who went 2-3 who shouldn't go 2-3, three, 
It went Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Penny Sewell, J.C. Horn, Sertan, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker. Every single team that took one of those players is happy with the player that they got. Eight of them would probably rather have Justin Fields right now. That being, like, this is what we're talking about. It's not about the fact that any of those are bad players, right? Like, nobody is sitting here arguing that Rashawn Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker are bad players. Nobody's arguing that J.C. Horn and Sertan aren't great. But the Panthers and the Broncos would much rather have Justin Fields on a rookie contract than either of those guys. And that's, th- the same is true of Sewell versus Pitts. Like, there is just a positional advantage that you have to getting a certain pick right. And it's why we've gone on and on about you have to get quarterback right. You have to get left tackle right. You have to get edge rusher right. The rest of the stuff, if you don't have A-plus pieces at, you can piece together. But you need an A-plus tackle. You need an A-plus edge rusher. And you need an A to A-plus quarterback. You can get away with certain ones because there aren't 32 A-plus guys out there. They just don't exist. But when you get an A-plus-plus left tackle prospect you just hit the button there's no the analysis that should have gone into the penne Sewell pick in atlanta at four is holy fucking shit we got a top 10 tackle prospect maybe ever at pick four right or holy shit justin fields is available yeah like the decision point and this was exactly what we talked about you could run the tape go back into the archives and run the tape the decision point is, wow, Justin Fields would look amazing in an Atlanta uniform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had that discussion. We did have that discussion. And then my position was, yeah, but if it's me and I'm building a franchise from the bottom up, I'm going left tackle there. So then the debate should be, right? The debate would be between Sewell and Slater versus a Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Right, So you have a whole scouting camp that's going to be in favor of the mobile quarterback, another scouting camp that's in favor of the computer quarterback, computer pocket passer, and then that's a debate that can happen. And then on this other side, you could have this debate between, you know, how raw a player is, like raw athleticism that Mm -hmm. Sewell wasn't quite as fully baked as Rashawn Slater, but Sewell's upside was even higher than Rashawn Slater's, though they're both incredible athletes. Both really good players. It's a rare thing. It's such a rare thing that that level of athleticism, that hand-eye coordination, that level of explosiveness that would allow someone to become an an H-back in the NFL is available. But that was also available in Rashawn Slater down there at 13. And you can look at the Micah Parsons pick and go, well, he's their team leader. Like he's the engine that makes that defense run in Dallas. So in hindsight, no, I wouldn't argue that pick. But the idea that you would take corners and wide receivers not named Jamar Chase, because Jamar Chase, his prospect profile was so exquisite. Yeah. Right. It it was in every five year type wide receiver that comes along. And we've seen with Justin Herbert most recently this past week with Justin Herbert Weapon really matters. What you're going to get from Jared Goff greatly depends on his weaponry. Yeah. And like, you know, he's not like Justin Fields, right? A pocket passer in particular is going to be more dependent on their supporting cast 
And when you add a DJ Chark back from injury, when you get Amon Ross St. Brown back online, back 100% coming off a high ankle sprain, that's when they took their losses, right? That's when they looked at their worst, when they were starting Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds. And then again, when we see it again with Justin Herbert, evaluating quarterback in the context of their supporting cast is something that needs to be done more vigorously around the league. And I think it will over time because we're seeing such dramatic differences in production from a Goff with Williams, with Chark versus without. And the same with Herbert, with DeAndre Carter, Herbert with Josh Palmer, very different than with a healthy Mike Williams, a healthy Keenan Allen. Oh, baby. And I think somebody did a really great job of uh, of putting that together. I'll find the tweet. I was just looking for it. But Oh, by the way, who are the left tackles for the Chargers and the Lions? <laughs> anyone know? Anyone in, the, anyone in the audience? Raise your hand. Anyone, anyone know the left tackles for those two teams? Jeez. I, look, I, the, we'll it, talk about that. This isn't a coincidence! The the Kyle Pitts pick is disastrous for a number of reasons. But the one that I keep coming back to. And if like, you pair downfield separation with time to throw, what do you get? Touchdowns. Yeah. I here is the here's the, the the madness of this. You have the greatest tight end prospect of all time. Let's say he is, right? Okay. You have the greatest tight end prospect of all time. You have a top 10 left tackle prospect ever and probably a top 30, 40 QB prospect ever all staring you in the face. Yeah. Who the fuck is taking the tight end? For what? No, it's not just the tight end, though. I'm going down the board. We, we've talked over this you know, Kyle Pitts debacle with many times. I'm saying the J.C. Jackson pick was bad. I'm saying the Sertan pick was bad. Devontae Smith bad all those picks were bad they're just as bad as rugs over and the thing is it's not about this is the problem the opportunity cost of not taking a quarterback and having one fed to you pittsburgh kenny pickett this is a great example atlanta now with ritter we'll see like it's not it's not that these guys can't work out it's just there is such a difference between the caliber of prospect that Justin Fields is and was to a Desmond Ritter and a Kenny Pickett. If you have the opportunity to go get someone like that, even if you get a number one wide receiver, they're never going to make the same impact that a, that a true QB one could make. And so the decision that you're making is not do we like this wide receiver the question is, can this quarterback be something? Because if they can, the opportunity cost of not taking them is significantly higher. It's not – everybody bangs on the Bears for taking Mitchell Trubisky. No one gets mad about the fact that they drafted a quarterback. They just took the wrong one. Right. They got it half right. They got it half right. Yeah, they, they got it half right. But I would say is what I would say. My position has changed slightly on this, right? Because we, we have the the rugs worfs rule, right? Yeah. The great yeah. rugs worfs rule yeah. is why you would draft a Slater over a Devontae Smith and over a Waddle every time without question as a rule, as a rule of thumb. Yeah. Now, where I've changed my position is. I was also very entrenched in the idea that you would take a Sewell over a Jamar Chase at the time. 
right? I'm talking about at the time. We are in a time machine. We yep. are looking at receipts. We are going into the archive. I've since changed myself. Now that I'm seeing how much a, a true number one yeah. can impact a passing game, how it can totally revolutionize a quarterback's output, the ability to win and lose games, that's the ultimate goal, right? So why do you want great quarterback production? Because that helps you win games. And I did not appreciate two years ago just how much in today's NFL with such high pass rates, a player like Jamar Chase can change the math, can affect the game. So now that I have a, a better appreciation of that, going back in time, I would consider that more of a one-for-one debate between Chase versus Sewell, not a slam dunk on the Sewell side. The the part of that that's also very unique is it's it's got to be extraordinarily rare that you get two A-plus prospects at quarterback. You get an A-plus prospect at left tackle. You get an A-plus prospect at wide receiver. And there's depth early on in that draft. Like, all of the players selected in the top 14, save for the quarterbacks that were clear misses from day one, right? All of those top 14 players are really, really, really good football players. Like, they're... Every one of them made their team better. The argument that that to be made is they could have made their teams significantly more better if they had done the right thing, right? The, the Sewell-Chase argument was great at the time. I think it's a really good discussion to go back to time to time because what do you do when you have two generational prospects at really important positions, right? Like left tackle, clearly one of the most important positions. Wide receiver one, also clearly one of the most important positions. I think that your logic there makes sense in the fact that a true franchise left tackle seems to be a little more rare than a wide receiver one, but the tier of wide receiver one that Jamar Chase is, is not available often. That's the thing, though. That That is the thing, though. That is the thing. Like The opportunity cost being, hey, if I had two picks... The idea that I could get potentially Chase and Slater. Yeah. Right? That, you know, yeah. what's the probability of getting a Chase versus the probability of getting a Slater? Probably a higher probability of getting a Slater than a Chase. And then the differential between Chase and Waddle, I consider to be greater than the differential between Sewell, Sewell and, Slater. and Slater. So, and then it's interesting when you compare that 2020 class, that 2020 class was just exceptional. That was the COVID year. Like yeah. that was the that was the Zoom draft. Yeah. Remember that? That was the Zoom yeah, draft. Yeah, yeah. And you go back one year and we're going to talk about this later because we're going to get into the wide receiver class in free agency, right? The 2023 wide receiver free agency class is driven by primarily that 2019 draft class. And you go back to 2019, you compare it to 2020, Oof. it's like woof. Yeah. Woof. Right. And it's 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 the perfect encapsulation. It's like, yes, TJ Hawkinson was a was a nice tight end prospect, but he was no Kyle Pitts. Right. And you go down the board, you're you're now in, in the late mid round quarterback pick, Dwayne Haskins versus Mac Jones. Like it's like yeah. just go down the board and, and yeah. the comparison from one draft to the next was Shocking. And now the Lions that drafted TG Hawkinson, they don't even have him anymore. The Lions have already punted because their regime has changed. I think if they could go back in time, they wouldn't have drafted TG Hawkinson there. 
no. And the the other part of this that's that's important too that we've talked on ad nauseum is when you get a top five pick matters. Like there is going to be a generational tankathon for the NBA kid Victor Wembanyama. There's generational tanking is going to happen in the NBA. And I think with Caleb Williams coming out in 2024, I think you could see NFL teams in week five, six, seven, eight, be like, okay, we don't have it this year. We're literally tanking for Caleb Williams because as great as Stroud and young are as prospects, they're not even in the same stratosphere as, as what a Caleb Williams is as a, as a player and as a prospect. So yeah, if, if you want a quarterback in 2023, great. I'm not saying that, that either of them are bad. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's bad. I'm just saying if you have your choice among anybody out there right now, you're taking Caleb Williams. The the unfortunate part is you just can't take him for another year. You can't take him yet. And and I'm, I'm I would question whether Young and Stroud are great prospects. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, fair. And I also want to get your final take on the Lions. So you would agree that at the least, right at the very least, they're the fourth best team in the NFC. Lions versus Buccaneers. Who you got? Give me the Lions. Give me the Lions. Give me the Lions. And this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Kind of crazy. It's insane to say that, but yeah. Yeah. You look yeah. at Amon Ross St. Brown's stock on Prediction Strike. You look at DJ Chark's stock on Prediction Strike. Uh, it's It's been bananas. If you just invested in the, these skill position players, Jared Goff on Prediction Strike. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Holy Jared Goff more than cow. any other. So it's interesting. A player like DeAndre Swift is not as good of an investment on a platform like Prediction Strike. And by the way, use promo code UNDERWORLD. You go to the App Store, get Prediction Strike, and then you get a free player share with a $20 deposit. There you go. So the value on quarterback is a lot higher because of the longevity of the position than it is wide receiver, which is a lot higher than running back. So the ceiling on a running back that you might hit on and, and call a breakout on prediction strike isn't nearly what you're getting from an Amon Ross St. Brown or even a DJ Chark. So from a fantasy gaming standpoint, you're like, oh, I'm going to invest in Swift before I invest in Chark. But because Chark is a wide receiver, he's also a wide receiver in a prove it deal who is playing for his next contract on a team that is surging and about to make the playoffs. Chark is the move on a platform like Prediction Strike, the time to get Chark was actually last week before he scored yeah. the touchdown because he was putting up the air yards. He was averaging 100 air yards a game as reported on this show on a loop, on this network on a loop. He finally got the touchdown, and the, the touchdown is always going to spike the football on the, the his value on a stock market app like Prediction yep. Strike. But there's still plenty of room for him to keep putting up 100-plus yards. And as long as this offense is playing with tempo, with a high pass rate, they're going to be putting up 30-plus points. And having traded TJ Hawkinson, they're going to be able to feed all three receivers moving forward. St. Brown, Chark, and Williams will be getting 5-plus targets every game, and Williams and Chark will also be getting huge air yards per target. 
and that will equate to big boom performances, which then gives you the price spikes on a prediction strike. Again, in the App Store, the promo code is Underworld. And Matt, I think one guy that is starting to make the rounds, you're starting to hear more and more about him. It's Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Mm. And there are a lot Not of the character. sprinter. Not the sprinter. Not the sprinter. <laughs> no. Uh, ben Johnson is doing for Jared Goff the same things that McVay did for him in 2018. Oh, he's the new McVay. Oh, wow. He must be so smart on him. It's, it's more so about what Sean McVay's offenses look like with and without good offensive line play. Because Goff and Stafford both, historically, with McVay and without him, have been way more reliant on having a good O-line than other quarterbacks because they're not mobile guys. They're not the most mobile guys, right? But what Ben Johnson has done for Jared Goff is build him a fucking wall. Nobody's anywhere near him, right? And he's throwing absolutely 50 yards down the field to guys that we know can run. I mean, Jamison Williams is one of the fastest receivers that's ever played NFL football. And suddenly you take an offense that already looked good and it's like, oh, hey, here's a track star that actually can catch. Like, you know, we're talking Deshaun Jackson 3.0 here. And let's just throw him in there for fun. And you saw one play. Sorry, Cody. Harrison Smith not being in there for the Vikings, and suddenly you have coverage busts, and there's no one within 30 yards of him. Like, this offense is terrifying, and we saw it coming because we saw the pieces that they were looking at, right? And we kept saying to you in the middle of the year, just wait until they figure out what they actually want to be. Because you have all these toys, and you get excited. You're like, oh, maybe it's DeAndre Swift week. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's that week. No, just hit him with everything. And that's what they've done. Jamal Williams is leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, full firepower. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a total arsenal. And they have Jared Goff, who was the number one overall pick. It was just the Rams were over him. Yeah, They were just so over him. They were over yeah. him. That's yeah. it. They were over him. But, but he didn't have the mental information processing collapse that you saw with Carson Wentz. No. Right. Carson Wentz went from having that it factor, having that swagger, being able to quickly process information and just let it go to mm-hmm. starting to pause. Like somehow, some way, the league got to Carson Wentz. They just broke him. I I, I don't know what it was. Yeah, they he was mentally broken. Like he when you lose the ability to pull the trigger quickly especially down the field, just let it go down the field to trust your eyes. At some point, he was betrayed by his eyes one too many times, and Carson Wentz started to second-guess all of his decisions, and no matter what your arm talent, you can't overcome that. It, that yeah. never happened to Jared Goff. At no point was ever like, Jared Goff's been mentally broken by the league. No, and and look, like there were he had bad games as a Ram. Nobody could deny that, but... It's not like he was terrible for stretches of time where you're like, okay, this guy needs replaced, right? There was just the opportunity to go from what Goff is as a passer to what Matthew Stafford is as a passer. Which Well, they let Brandon Cooks go, and then Cooper Cup tore his ACL, and then his number one receiver was Robert Woods. How's Ryan Tannehill doing with number one wide receiver Robert Woods? <laughs> not great. Like, right? 
So I, I th- the the Jared Goff demise was greatly exaggerated. One, but two, like once you put pieces around him, like I have vivid memories of 2018 against Kansas City on that Monday night game where it was just a fireworks show between him and Mahomes, and he was going toe to toe with one of the best players we've ever seen. Then there was the Thursday night game against the Vikings where him and Kirk Cousins combined for like 800 yards and he was throwing the ball all over the place. When he puts it together, like this is what people have to understand. When Jared Goff type quarterbacks put it all together, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, whatever, whoever it is that you want to lump into that area, right? When they put it together, it's really, really pretty. Because if you can make all three levels of throws, Jared Goff's always had one of the prettier deep balls in the league. It just it looks beautiful. Like I'm not, it's not an assessment of how good or bad it is. It just looks pretty, right? He makes the things look so pretty when you make his life easy, and Ben Johnson's making his life easy. Jamison Williams has made his life easier. Penny Sewell is making his life easy. Jamal Williams is making his life easy. This team is one of, like, and you could say the same things about Jacksonville and the way that they've been playing too, in my opinion. But those are the two teams that are outside of the playoffs right now that I would want no fucking part of. I don't want to see them. I don't want to play them. I don't want them coming to my place. I sure as fuck don't want to go to their place. Like, NFC teams should be really, really afraid of what this Lions team could do because they can put 40 on anybody, right? And, like, even if your offense is capable, you're talking one or two freak turnovers away from having to score 40 in fewer possessions because they can run, too. This isn't just passing. So, I mean, I think the way that you have to look at the Lions specifically is who's going to have to fall out for them to make it, right? Because they are, I agree with you. They are probably the fourth most dangerous team in the NFC right now. I think. Well, I think they're the third most because until the San Francisco 49ers get a quarterback, that is such a critical position. Brock Purdy ain't gonna ain't gonna do it, dude. I loved what he did the other. Brock Purdy is cool, awesome, right? He's no, that was just fun, right? Brock Purdy is uh is like my buddy from high school. He look, you know, so uh, he's he's you know Danny Pelletier. Really, is really when I when I when I look at Brock Purdy. And that's fine, like, yeah. he, but but you know, good main high school quarterback. <laughs> I mean, come on, man, let's get serious, right? The Lions are very serious, and so Underdog has a playoff best ball tournament, and you've seen the ADP really start to rise on all these Lions players. But I'm like, there's still room to go up because Dallas and Minnesota have the same record. If you are drafting heavily Lions players in the playoff best ball tournament on underdog, you need to be cheering for the Vikings and for the Cowboys to lose games. Now, they almost lost last week. They didn't. You need to continue to cheer against the Cowboys and cheer for the Vikings. You want the Cowboys to come in, and that would allow the Lions to potentially play in the NFC Championship game if the Cowboys face the Eagles prior to that, just based on how the brackets work out, if, for example, the Vikings are the two seed, maybe the 49ers are the three seed, Dallas faces off against Philadelphia. This is all very possible. And then how the, if you have San Francisco and the Vikings on one side of the, of the bracket and you have the Eagles and the Cowboys on the other side of the bracket, that would pave the way for the Lions to meet 
either the Cowboys or the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And in that case, you're talking about three games in the underdog best ball playoff tournament where you're getting Jamison Williams at incredible value. But it's Goff, too, right? You want to draft two quarterbacks. One of them should be Goff. And then you just root for the playoff bracket to shake out a particular way. We got a long way to go. We got four more games to play to see where Dallas is going to be seeded. It's not crazy. It's just not that Eagles slash Cowboys versus Lions NFC Championship game is not crazy and that you could back the truck up on underdog and get all these Lions because they're all available again in different rounds. Okay, here's when I can get Swift, you know, which is around after I would draft St. Brown and then around after that. Jamal Williams, and then around after that, DJ Chark, and then so on and down the line, right? So that's the move. Underdog, the promo code is Underworld, and you get to double your deposit up to $100. The promo code is Underworld. Get the Underdog app in the App Store now, and there's still plenty of room to run for these Lions. Their ADPs have not yet fully corrected on Underdog's uh, best ball tournament. There's plenty of scenarios that you can see where the Lions make a real run in the playoffs. Look, the, the we we just talked about how good the Jags have looked. The one game recently that the Jags haven't looked good in was when they got ran off the field by the Lions. They lost that game 40 to 14. The the lone Lions loss in their last 6 games is Buffalo at home on Thanksgiving and they had them. Like this is not just a team that's finding its stride at the right time that could make some noise leading up to the playoffs. This is a team that you probably don't want to see. Like I, I, there's a, there's a non-zero chance that they went out. <laughs> there's a non-zero chance that they went out. I, I pushed Jack Cavanaugh on this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, Jack, listen, lions playoffs. Come on, man. Look, look, they, they, they got a ways to go. A week later, I'm like, oh, not only are they in, they're making a run. Yeah, I, look, you've got at Jets, at Panthers, Bears at home, at Packers. Ah! It, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's it's exciting, man. It's it, crazy. Now, Just, if you're the Lions and you have this <laughs> very juicy top ten Rams pick, currently top five. Yeah, I think it'll stay there. It's been assumed they were going to go quarterback, but now they suddenly don't have a lot of needs. Certainly, they want to improve the defense. So if I were them, I would be looking edge, first and foremost. Who do you think they should draft? If Will Anderson or Jalen Carter are there, you just run and t- turn that card in immediately. Either one. Okay. Does not matter. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have a preference there? Uh, Anderson's the edge. Carter's the defensive tackle. But... We know what Jordan Davis is and was at Georgia. Jalen Carter is better. And that is horrifying. Just absolutely terrifying. And, like, this was not news to anybody that watched Georgia a lot last year. They were like, yeah, Jordan Davis is great, but wait till you see this guy. Right? But what about, so, Will Anderson, isn't he like Micah Parsons? Yeah, basically Alabama's version of what Penn State did with Micah. Yeah, he's an f- absolute freak. That that would that's the that's the missing piece on their defense. Yeah, I mean they don't have a Micah Parsons outside linebacker hybrid no. edge rusher. 
a, a sideline to sideline outside linebacker that doubles as a you know penetration specialist on passing downs. Can you fucking imagine if the Lions roll out Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson next year? Holy God. I would love that. And then with their pick, which we're hoping is as late as possible, right? We're expecting yeah. it now. We're, we were hoping, now we're expecting it. Mid-late 20s. <laughs> what if a more project-based quarterback is there, a guy with a big arm, a guy that's putting up big video game numbers, like, oh, I don't know, Will Levis? You could absolutely throw the dart there if you wanted to. Doesn't he have the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this class? It's either him or Richardson, probably. Anthony Richardson's insane. Like, just I, as yeah, an, okay. Excuse me. I you're right. Sorry. I I was thinking like those that are projected to go in the first round. No, but you're right though. You're right. You're absolutely right. Anthony Richardson, according to Cody, it, it has incredible upside. He's also incredibly inconsistent and incredibly raw. Okay, Anthony Richardson would be the other freak. guy. Maybe that's freak. the guy. Maybe it's maybe it's not Will Levis. I'm thinking too small, man. Am I thinking too small? No, I don't think you're thinking too small. Matt. I'm thinking just, like I'm thinking Will Levis because of his arm strength. There's upside there, but I mean, you're you've you've seen the light. You're you're going to another level of upside. At maybe in the in the second round. Because here's the thing, Matt. Every year this happens with some freak prospect quarterback, right? Where they go to the combine. And everybody gets to see them in shorts. Do shit that even other really good football players can't do. And Anthony Richardson for is going to tear up the comp. Uh, someone's going to fall in love with him. And I assume that he will be taken somewhere in the first round. Yeah, and now I'm seeing he is actually a first rounder. Wow. Yeah, so someone's going to fall in love. And Levis is another one. Really, really good tools. Just... You've, you haven't seen him put it all together. Um, it, it, this is a really weird quarterback class, in all honesty. Like, Young and Stroud are obviously the two that are going to get taken earliest. But there is a, there is truth to the the C.J. Stroud has some Jared Goff to his game. There is truth to the fact that Bryce Young is smaller than you'd like and has some arm strength questions at times, right? Like, the... The deep balls to the hashes, falling away throws, stuff that now you expect number one overall quarterbacks to do. I, there is value potentially in skipping over Young and Stroud and taking someone like a Richardson or like a Levis with a later pick and getting someone that is a known quantity at, at pretty much at the next level in a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter. So, I mean, the, the problem is though, I mean, I'm looking at it right now on our. Uh, player profiler mock draft index. So within the Dynasty Deluxe package, we have a mock draft index, which takes all the different mock drafts from Bleacher Report, CBS, ESPN, our mock draft, Sports Illustrated, all the rest, and aggregates them all. And I had no idea. Like, I had no idea that the mock drafters were already vaulting Anthony Richardson into the top 10. So they're already talking about him as a top 10 pick, and they're already talking about Will Levis as a top five pick. So with that Rams pick, the Lions would have to use it on Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. They wouldn't be able to use their own pick on either of those guys. And so that 
the question then becomes how much more does a Anthony Richardson will Levis bring you than a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson. And to me, based on what they're getting out of golf, I think it makes sense to take a defender there, whichever one you prefer. I would probably take Anderson, just a little bit more valuable position, but they're both absolute freaks. I think the question then becomes if you're Detroit, how much are you willing to lean into golf? Like, do you just holster it and wait for 2024 do you you know because their pick in 2024 is probably going to be relatively low i don't think it's going to be as high as as what the what their pick this year could be like you may not be in a position to get a guy again so that's that's the decision that that they're really going to have to make is are we going to be in a position to even be able to draft a quarterback of the beyond or do we have to do it this year? Because if you have to do it this year, then you have to do it this year. Yeah, so on our mock draft index, we have Will Levis going around 10 and Anthony Richardson going in the late teens. So at that point, based on the Lions' trajectory, those two players will be gone. Yeah, yeah. And the, th- and the question then, if you're the Lions, is do we pull the trigger that early? do we trade up for someone like the, because fundamentally your next question is going to be, okay, well, what does 2024 look like? Uh, Caleb Williams, well, you're not going to get him. You're not getting the number one pick. So, and whoever does is not trading it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to, if you're the lions and you have the opportunity to draft your quarterback in the future, do it, do it, but do not do it at the expense of a Will Anderson type player. If he's gone already, if Jalen Carter's gone already, so be it. And you get locked into the Levis or Richardson or whoever, so be it. But, but you, you do love watching these guys play, right? I mean, Will Levis oh, yeah. is fun to watch. Oh, dude. They all, they like Anthony Richardson too. Yeah, oh, no, I know. I know they're, they're great. In fact, there's an app called Angel Fire, and uh, it's run by Byron Lambert from roster watch and they have a college bowl pick them you should check it out it's free to download just download the you should do it right now on and get the angel fire app and they have this college bowl pick them where you just swipe back and forth yeah, whichever yeah. team you think is not just going to win but more cover the spread because if a team that's an underdog wins you get a lot more weighted points toward your total score than if you just picked all the favorites. So the move is not to pick all the favorites. And then at the end, once you've picked them all, then you pick the team that you think is going to score the most points. And I think it's between Kentucky or Western Kentucky. I'm, I'm only picking teams within Kentucky to be the highest scoring team. Okay. And, you know, Western Kentucky is a good one. Western Kentucky, TCU, Kentucky, these are the teams that I want to, 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 you know, bet on scoring the most points. The problem is TCU's, the, the, their opponent, their defense is going to be too good. Yeah. So that's the issue. But those are the those are the, the, the teams that you can see on Twitter. Like, just those, they light up Twitter, right? It's just amazing. So you just check out Angel Fire, get in there, and just play. Just pick who's going to win the bowls. Pick your weighted, uh, you know, make your weighted selection based on who's the favorite, who's the underdog. And uh, you, you could you could potentially uh, win a bunch of money 
with no money down. It's a pretty pretty good deal. Yeah, pretty pretty good pretty good deal, and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun just to swipe and like familiarize yourself with these bowl games. Bowl season starting this week. Yeah, two days from now. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friday, it's happening. There you go. So let's do it. It's, it's fun. Yeah, check out the Angel Fire app when you can. And this takes us now to this free agent wide receiver class, which is no good. Yeah. Right? It's oh. no good. It's it's strangely bad. It's as bad as the running back class is good. That's what I find interesting about it. It's like, yes, this running back class is the best I've ever seen, right? Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, down the list. Like, what? What? Yeah, I didn't even mention uh, Tony Pollard, the best running back ever. David the Montgomery. true goat. Yeah. Like, and Tomlinson's like, come on, man, really? <laughs> Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, guys, come on. It's all about Tony Pollard. Get the hell out of here. It's Tony Pollard time, baby. <laughs> I'm looking at this free agent class at wide receiver, yeah, and right. it's just funny. It's just it's a funny class. It's led by DJ Chark, Paris Campbell, Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, there, there's there's uh, 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 Alan Lazard. Depends on how you think about Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard was was a popular fantasy pick because of his situation. But if his situation changes, he's not going to be an alpha. No, 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 no matter where he goes next year. It, He's not even going to be an alpha in his own team next year. It's Christian Watson. I don't. They don't really have much incentive to let him go, and I don't know who's going to value him significantly. <laughs> let me just name the other guys. It's funny. Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, Julio Jones. Oh, Jacoby Myers is a free agent. Oh, Jacoby Myers is a free agent because he was undrafted. Oh, wow. So he gets the free agency a year early. Wow, what a benefit of getting undrafted. That's the benefit. You want to be undrafted. Yeah. If you're a running back, especially, but if you're a wide receiver as well, go yeah. undrafted. So I guess if I had to rank the wide receivers that are currently free agents, I prefer the playmaking field stretchers with some size. So I love yeah. that Paris Campbell runs a 4-3 and he's six feet tall. I love that DJ Chark is equally as fast and even bigger. Beyond Chark and Campbell, then I would rank them Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers. Uh, after that, it gets real thin. Alan Lazard. Yeah. I think that's it. And then right after that, guess who else? Guess who's a free agent? A guy that's ideally going to get paid more than people think because of his special teams ability. We know the NFL teams appreciate special teams. So there's a chance he... he gets a little bit of a payday and that's ashton doolin yeah there you go ashton doolin ashton doolin could command a bigger salary than the the casual sports fan even comprehends but i mean there's other guys don't forget about marvin jones don't forget about byron pringle don't forget about aj green can't forget about him can't forget about mac hollins and Nikhil harry from that class right it's just God. interesting that class has been hollowed out by two factors one no doubter talents emerging and getting extended especially those from old miss dk metcalf yeah. and aj brown from that 2019 wide receiver class so they get extended or traded marquise brown traded and extended then you've got all the busts that 
no one will ever hear from again. From Mikol Hardman to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to players that have changed positions like Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, we mentioned Nikhil Harry. So this was a generally bad wide receiver class with a couple gems. And then four years later, when we're looking at free agent wide receiver classes, we're like, oh, wow, yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, too, that we should touch on is I don't I think forgot Jarvis play. Landry. Then again, like these are your twos and threes. There are no ones out there. There isn't a single one in here. No, the not even close. The the best you're getting is like a stretch X in like a in a DJ Chark is a stretch X. That's a very valuable position in the NFL. And then you've got straight possession receivers from Juju to Jacoby Myers, the best examples. Man, you could argue Ashton Doolin is the top five most valuable wide receiver in this free agent class. And that's why. Like, wow. If you're going to go about this the way that I think teams are going to go about this, if you're Odell Beckham and you're still out there, I don't think he comes back this year. I think every team that looked into him knows how bad that knee is right now. He, he's already had ACL surgery on this knee before. And it took him longer than average to come back from that. And as we know, everybody's different. Like, you know, it might take him a little longer just with the type of injury that it is. And that's fine. And it also, he suffered it in literally the last game of the season that was played. So obviously, it's going to take a little more time. But, but given how barren this class is, he might actually make a pretty nice payday out of it, depending on how this all shakes out. Yeah. Because there's literally no one else. Like there, there is not another free agent in this class that has Odell Beckham esque ability, right? Like, and even if you didn't like certain players as much as their profiles suggested, there were players with profiles that you would like that are out there. There are three or four this year, and that's it. That's literally it. Yeah. So Chark and Paris Campbell are likely gone yeah. because their teams drafted their replacements in the previous draft. Yeah. So. Jamison Williams is also a stretch X and Alec Pierce is a stretch X. So they don't need that player. Right. And Paris Campbell, though, he has the size has never played that position anyway. He's been a Z his entire career. So he's yep. more of a Z anyway. He's just a he's just a sizable Z. Uh, and they just don't need that position. Right. They have Alec Pierce playing stretch Z. They have a proper X in Michael Pittman. So they don't need that. Uh, in Detroit, they didn't have a proper X receiver until they got Chark in there because Amon Ross St. Brown is an underneath receiver. He's a Z. He's a he's a he's a slot flanker. So yeah, Chark makes a little more sense in Detroit than even Paris Campbell does in Indianapolis. But I think that the Colts will be tearing this down. They're not going to have any appetite to extend Paris Campbell at this point. They know they've got to rebuild. Detroit is going to do a cold hard calculus on how much money they want to devote to the wide receiver position thinking oh we got to give Jamison Williams his fifth year option eventually we got to extend Amon Ross St. Brown for one of these massive extensions just look at what Tyreek Hill commanded and Christian Kirk right just average the the contract average the the monetary value and the terms of the Christian Kirk and the Tyreek Hill contract that's what you're gonna have to pay Amon Ross St. Brown as a starting point yeah so they're going to be on the market yeah 
Kansas City will probably bring Juju back. I expect Kansas City to bring Juju back. They don't have anyone else that's anywhere close to him. They are wanting to have at least someone that Patrick Mahomes can throw to. They're going to let Nicole Hardman go because they brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, so they signed the replacement to Nicole Hardman. Let him go, extend Juju. So I believe Juju is going to be extended, and same in New England. They're going to be losing, you know, Devontae Parker, washed. Nelson Aguilar, washed. Right, Kendrick Bourne, overpaid. Yeah. Right, these guys are all on their way out. They're going to have no one left. Mac Jones actually has rapport with Jacoby Myers. That has great value. You need to bring him back. So Myers stays. I think the same case can be made for bringing back Lazard mm-hmm. for Aaron Rodgers. He didn't put up big numbers that would command a big contract in free agency anyway. And there's this assumption that Al Lazard, the undrafted player, is is likely just living off of Aaron Rodgers anyway. So I can't see him commanding a big contract. That makes him easier to extend. So I think these these uh, stretch Z and stretch X players that we really like are going to hit the market. These possession receivers likely will not. And you know the Colts know what they have in Ashton Doolin. So they're prioritizing signing Doolin over Paris Campbell is my guess because of his special teams contributions. I would love to see Doolin hit free agency. I think it'd be fun. I don't expect him to. I think he's comfortable in Indianapolis. He's from the area, Malone College. So I, I think he resigns there. And then it's just going to be a potential bidding war after Chark puts up big numbers to close out the season. And we've seen Paris Campbell's upside in a handful of weeks. So we could potentially, given the, the contract that was offered to Christian Kirk, a clear auxiliary option. A B receiver, right? Not an alpha. A clear beta. Chark and Campbell could get paid tens of millions of dollars in free agency. What a masterstroke, especially by DJ Chark, to sign the one-year contract last year. I think the biggest, to me, right, like we've we've talked about Chark and, and the situation with the Lions and kind of how him and Marvin Jones just kind of swapped homes for a little bit. And imagine if they sold each other each other's house. That's probably what happened. <laughs> That'd be funny. Like you're moving in, like, hey, it's it's all set up for wide receivers, jugs machine in the back. You're good. Turnkey. Enjoy. Yeah. It, look, the thing is, I think this this Odell Beckham contract that we're gonna see here, depending on who he goes to, because it's 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 clear he wants to join a contender. Yeah, so that, that's the argument that you're making as well, that Odell is gonna have great demand for his services. Yeah, it's it's simply because there is no one else. Like <laughs> there is no there is no even potential one out Oof. there. Yeah. God, you're right. Yeah. It's wild. So yeah. Where do you think he goes? Where does Odell Beckham go? Take us out on and where does Odell Beckham go? I would love to see him in Kansas City.
I would love to see him in Kansas City. That's the show. He's in the barnyard. He's in the chicken coop. And his head has been removed from his body. Just running around, bumping into chicken wire. Right? You see how I did that? See how I painted a picture without actually going to the cliche? You see how I did that? That's that's being trained for years. Years on and trained with this cliche alert sounder that we have. And I'm not going to play it. I'm not playing the goddamn sounder because I could have. I could have gone with the cliche. I did not. And it was way better. Matthew Stafford and all the king's horses and all the king's men. Right? Again. Again. See what I did there? Didn't say Humpty Dumpty. Didn't say it. Didn't say because that would be a show title, right? Matthew Stafford, Humpty Dumpty. I did not do that. I didn't say the name Humpty Dumpty. I would never compare Matthew Stafford to Humpty Dumpty. Matthew Stafford is Humpty Dumpty is not a sentence I would ever utter. I'm way more creative than that. Oh, by the way, who are the left tackles for the Chargers and the Lions? <laughs> anyone know? Anyone in the anyone in the audience? Raise your hand. Anyone? Anyone know the left tackles for those two teams? Jeez. I, look, I, th- we'll it, talk about that. This isn't night. a coincidence. Oh, he's the new McVeigh. Oh, wow. He must be so smart. On him. Like, I, I, there's a, there's a non-zero chance that they went out. <laughs> there's a non-zero chance that they went out. Okay. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have a preference there? Imagine if they sold each other each other's house. That's probably what happened. <laughs> That'd be funny. Like you're moving in, like, hey, it's it's all set up for wide receivers. Jugs machine in the back. You're good. Turnkey. Enjoy. This isn't a coincidence!